Today I'm going to continue with uh, what I spoke about last week. Last week um, the topic was the committed son. And this week is the committed son part two. The next service, I don't know. It might be the committed son part three because this is unfolding as I go. Because my plan wasn't to uh, have a committed son part two, but that's how it turned out. But I believe I have a word. Um, and what the Lord has been showing me, um, the Bible talks about in Christ is hidden all wisdom and knowledge of God. So if you want to know the Father, you have to know Christ. You have to seek Him. Because in Him, the wisdom of God is revealed. And the knowledge of God is revealed. What I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot, is um, the heart of Christ. Especially in this series that is turning out to be a series of the, called The Committed Son. So, I'm not going to recap last week. I have it recorded, so um, I'll try and make that recording available so you can hear it. But today we're going to start in John chapter 11. My text is um, verses 1 through 10. And there's nothing specific I'm focused on. It's just the context of this scripture and showing the heart of Christ as the committed son. Alright, so are you there? Tell me when you're in John 11, 1 through 10. Okay. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. <coughs> the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? <coughs> Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, <coughs> because he sees the light of his world, of this world. But if... One walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Okay, that's for as far as I'm going to read. So, when I was reading this, I was seeing the heart of Jesus, the heart of Christ, how he was committed to the will and plan of the Father. And in likewise, we who are in Christ, we who say we believe in Jesus, we who say we love the Lord, we who say that we want all of what God has for us, we who say that we want to live this resurrected life. There are lessons to learn when you, le when you seek Christ. 
It's not an accident Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It's not an accident. It is pivotal in our walk in Christ. It is pivotal for us to walk and live this resurrective life. It is pivotal and important so that we can live the reality of the promises of God. And this is something that you always hear me say. Because it is time in this season for the world to see the life of Christ in us. Not lip service, but actual tangible evidence of the life of God and the life of Christ in our life. So, going back to this scripture, there are certain things I'm going to, I'm going to point out here. It's talking about Jesus did not, you know, reading this, it says, Jesus did not have a casual relationship with Lazarus, Mary and Martha. He knew them well, because he usually visited them when he, was in, when he went to Bethany. You know, whenever he goes to Bethany, he would stop at their home. And they talk about the Mary. This Mary is the one who anointed him. You know, when she anointed him with the, with the, with the oil, with the spike nard, which was very expensive and, people, and some of the disciples are very critical about it. This is a family. He goes to their home and they feed him. He sit and eat with them. He talk with them. This is where he... He is teaching. And one of the other scriptures talk about Mary sitting at his feet listening. And Martha busy in the kitchen. And Martha was having issues with Mary. Because Mary was sitting listening. And Martha was busy trying to get things prepared. So he knew this family intimately. So the, the sisters sent for him. Because of that relationship. Lazarus was sick. And Jesus could heal him if he got to Lazarus in time. Because in verse 21, if you, you, you read there, not now, but you could always read it on your time. When Jesus actually got to Bethany, she said, Lord, if you were here, he would have lived. But they sent for him because of that the relationship they had with him. They knew Jesus could heal him. And they sent for him because of that relationship. Because... You understand, when you have a close relationship with, with someone, with people, you expect when you send for them or you ask for their help, that they would respond. You expect that. Okay? And this illness, I believe, of Lazarus was probably sudden and unexpected. You know, sometimes you can just not, you know, one day you're just not feeling well. And then it just turned for the worse. And you, you're not, nobody's expecting that. But I believe this is what happened. Because they sent for him, they sent for Jesus when really things started taking a turn for the worse. And they knew that Lazarus was going to die. But they sent for Jesus because of, not only because of the relationship, but because they knew he could do something about Lazarus' condition. So they were expecting Jesus to come quickly because of that relationship and the urgency of the situation. <clears throat> After all, there was a crisis. I mean, you think about our lives, you know, people who are close to us, if there's a crisis in our life, we usually call people who are very close to us, who we trust, who we believe who can help us in the, in the trial, in our condition, in the crisis. 
And of course, we don't expect them to uh, stay, take two, or take three days, two to three days to come to see us, right? Especially if there's a crisis, because it says here, Jesus said, "The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God." And it said also that he spent he stayed two days more in the place where he was. So he didn't leave immediately based on the, res- the requests that were made from Mary and Martha. He hung out two more days wherever he was before he went to Bethany. So Jesus' commitment, you know, you wonder about his commitment to his friends, right? Because, he, as I said, he stayed two more days. Now, that behavior... Now, if you call somebody that's very close to you and you're in a crisis, now, if they take two days, no, they take actually because by the time he, he got the message, the message, he got the message, he stayed two more days. And by the time he got to Bethany, I think it was about four days transpired. So imagine me calling someone, you know, Sister Merle or whoever I call, and I, there's a crisis, and it takes her four days. Before she even responds. What would I think? What would people be thinking if you, somebody you're close to, you're in a crisis, you're calling on them for help, and it takes them four days to get there. Imagine what people would say. People would not have a very positive, have very positive things to say about the person who, who you're trying to reach out to. Because if you, it says here that he loved them, if he loved them, why are you taking him four days to get there? Why would he stay back and hang out two more days before he get to them? So in a natural, we would say, he don't really love them because he's, he's sitting back. He's waiting two days. Because our natural reaction is when we hear something happen with people we are close to, we respond. That's the normal way, right? But understand, Jesus loved that family. Okay? He loved that family. But his commitment was to the Father above everything else. He obeyed the Spirit in spite of the demands that were made of him. And let's, I'm going to read the scripture again. So we know Lazarus was sick. And in verse 4, Jesus heard it when he got the message. And he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. By the Holy Spirit, made known to him what was going on with Lazarus. The Holy Spirit made known to Jesus what was going on with Lazarus. That's why he was able to say, This sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified in it, or through it. And it's also said, when he heard it, he stayed two more days. Why did he stay two more days? Do you think he stayed two more days because he didn't feel like going? No, he stayed two more days because that's what the Spirit, the Father told him to do. The Father said, wait two more days. Wait two more days. Because Jesus never said anything or did anything 
unless what the father had told him to say and showed him, understand it. There is a reason why he stayed two more days. He didn't stay two more days because he wanted to stay two more days. He stayed two more days because he was instructed to wait two more days. Okay? Very, that's, that's very critical. So he's obeying the Father. He's not being moved by the emotion of the circumstances. He's not being moved by the demand by Mary and Martha. And the family and the, and the crisis that they were facing. He was being, he's moved by the Father. By the Holy Spirit. Okay? Understand. He did not allow himself to get caught up in the emotional turmoil surrounding Lazarus. Okay? So understand that. For him, it's about doing the Father's will. For people looking from the outside, it's what's wrong with him. Okay? Now the Father was about to do something in the presence of the people that was never done before. Because Jesus, when he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God, Son of Man, will be glorified through it. The Father was getting ready to do something in the presence of the people that was never done before. Jesus knew it, but the people didn't know it. Mary, Martha, and all those who were witnessing the situation, even the disciples who were with him, when he was in Bethany and he stayed two more days, they had no idea what was about to happen. None whatsoever. Okay? They didn't even know why Jesus stayed two more days. He never told them. All he said is, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That's all they heard him say. Okay? So Mary, Martha and others were, were going to see the glory of God. It's not that they never saw the glory of God. Because Jesus did other miracles. But they were going to see something that they have never seen before. And the world has never ever seen before. Okay? It didn't matter how far gone a situation was. There was nothing that God could not do. There is a purpose for this miracle. Understand. There is a purpose for the miracle. This miracle, what Jesus, what the Father was going to do through Christ, there was a purpose for it. God never does anything without a purpose. He wasn't doing, going to do this to show off that I am God. There's a purpose behind it. God never does anything in our lives without a purpose. For anything, whatever we are going through in our lives, there is a purpose for it. We may not understand why. And yet, there are times it's very painful, as it was for Mary and Martha and Lazarus and those who acquainted with it. It's painful. But there's something God is trying to do in us to bring us to a level of faith that we never had before. To be able to grow in faith requires testing and trial. Because it's a spiritual exercise that you have to go through to be who God called us to be. To be in the likeness and the image of Christ. It's not going to happen without trial. Because Apostle Paul gave the analogy of the athlete. 
the athlete has to be punished physically and mentally. And that punishment is training. To be able to perform at the level that the coach knows the athlete can perform. Think about it. When you see people at the Olympics, we marvel at what they can do. We cheer for them. But you know how much these days those athletes have to go through just to get to that level? There's a lot of pain and su- a, bl- a lot of pain, heartache and suffering and disappointments. But they persevere. They persevere. That's why they're able to perform at the level that they're able to perform. And there's the same thing that's going, through, going on here. Okay? God will put us through things. And we'll be screaming and crying and yelling. Why? 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 Because our trust and hope and faith has to be in Him and not in our ability and our connections and what we think we can do. It has to do with Him. He gets the glory because He is able to work through us as we trust in Him. Okay? It is not easy to walk by faith. I don't care what anybody says. Walking by faith is not easy. Okay? So there's a purpose for this miracle. The father was validating his relationship with the son. Did you hear what I just said? The father was validating his relationship with the son. And he will do the same with us. As we walk by faith. As we trust him. As we walk in the spirit. Very important. As we walk in the Spirit, as the Holy Spirit reveals things to us, as He speaks to us, we must have the courage to obey, no matter what people might think. No matter what anybody says, have the courage to obey, because God will validate you. He will prove by your faithfulness to Him, Because that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is faithful to the Father. And the Father will work through him to validate what Jesus said. What? This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That the Son of God will be glorified through it. The Father is going to validate the Son through what he is about to do. And as we trust and walk by by faith, as we walk in the Spirit, the, the Father, through Christ, will validate. Jesus will validate what he has called us to do. And what he has told us to do. If we have the courage to obey, he will validate it. And he will glorify himself through us. Okay. This is important to understand. You know, things go on in our lives and we're quick to react. We're reactive instead of being... Have... We we reactive instead of being intent. When I say intent, intent is listening for what the Lord wants you to do, so that when you move, you move with purpose and intention, not reacting. Because Jesus didn't react here when he said Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is Lazarus Lazarus is going to die. He didn't react. He was intent. He was purposeful in what he was in his reaction. He didn't just react emotionally. Okay? So after the additional, the two additional days transpired, Jesus went to Bethany in Judea, fully knowing, my goodness, listen, listen to what the disciples said to him. He said, let's go to Judea. That's in verse 7. 
After the two days was up, he said, let's go to Judea. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews, they want to stone you. They want to kill you. And you want to go there again? You want to go to Bethany when you know the Jews want to kill you? Why would you want to go to Bethany? And interesting that Jesus said right after that. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. Because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. I read that and I was like, the Lord started showing me. You know, in my study Bible, there's their notes. But I never, I try not to read the notes until I get an understanding of the verse. Because I want a revelation from the Spirit and not based on what is written. And I saw it. I saw it. Okay? <clears throat> the committed son. Let me show you how committed Jesus was to the Father. <clears throat> so two additional days transpired. Jesus went to Bethany in Judea, fully knowing that the Jews wanted to kill him. He knew that. When he said, let's go to Bethany, because Bethany is in Judea, he knew the Jews wanted to kill him. But do you think he was even concerned? No, he was not concerned about them. He was at peace. He was not concerned. He, Jesus was at peace for two reasons. One, he was doing the Father's will. And two, this is something I spoke about before. And I, I said, oh my God. He was walking in the light because he always was always directed by the Holy Spirit and submitted to the Spirit. Do you hear what I just said? It says here, are there not, in verse 9, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. When you walk in the daytime, you can see where you're going. So you don't stumble. It's at night, when you have no light, then you stumble. God. But Jesus is saying, He is saying, I am doing the Father's will. I am being led by the Spirit. Number two, no man can take my life. I have a commandment to lay it down. I have a commandment to take it up. The Jews can't take my life. I have, to, I am, have the power to lay it down and take it up. When it's time for me to lay it down, I will lay it down. I can go to Bethany and be at peace because they can't do anything to me. They can't touch me because I have the power to lay down my life. Glory to God. <laughs> oh my God. When I, I say, because he's being led by the Spirit. He's walking in the light so he can't stumble. The Father is showing him, leading him. There's nothing to worry about. He can't stumble. It's when you're reactive and you're not walking in light. You're walking by emotions. Then you stumble and fall. So and when I read that, I'm like, because you wonder what one thing has to do with the other. Because that scripture just like was like way out of whack for what they said. Let us, the Jews want to kill you. Why you want to go to Judea? And then he's talking about walking in light and walking in darkness. And I saw it. I saw it. I said, oh my Lord. He was so at peace. He was so committed to the Father. 
He wasn't even concerned about the Jews in Judea. He was not concerned about them because they could do nothing to him. Because he's walking in this light. He's walking in the Father's will. He's doing the Father's will. And on top of that, the Father gave him a commandment. I have the power to, take up, to lay down my life. I have the power to take it up. They can't do anything to me. The Jews can't touch me. I, I don't know if you, you're getting this, but yep, yep, yep. they can't do anything. When you're walking in God's will, no one or no man or no devil in hell can do anything to you. Mm. Nothing. Nothing. Nada. Nothing. Do you understand? Nothing. Why are we fearful? That's why Jesus said, in, in Isaiah, when, in the book of Isaiah, when he stated, the Spirit... Listen, everything is tied together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are held captive. You're held captive when you're walking in fear. When you're walking in darkness. But when you're walking in the light, you have freedom. You have no occasion to stumble. There is no need to fear. That's why when Jesus was in the boat... He was at peace because what? He was walking in the light. He is not concerned about the storm. He knows he has the, the Father is with him. He knows he's under wherever he's going, he's doing the Father's will. That's why he could he get up and said, You guys have no faith. Storm. Be quiet. Stop. He was able he could command it. Why? He's doing the Father's will. Nothing to fear. Oh my God, Lord, help us. Help us to understand the heart of the committed. That's a committed son. He didn't care what the people thought. He didn't come right away. He didn't care. He's doing the father's will. Because if he stepped out of the father's will. And he reacted and went to Bethany. There's no way God would back up. There's no way he would have been able to raise Lazarus from the dead. Because he is walking in his will and not the father's will. So Jesus knew, he knew the Jews wanted to kill him. But he's committed to the Father's plan. He's committed to the Father's will. He's walking in the Spirit. Okay? And I'm seeing it and I'm like, I just have to like, I'm like, oh my God. It, it's, this is how we have to live. As, listen, I don't understand how people don't, are not excited about the Word of God. You know, I'm not in the church playing business. Uh, that's not me. I want to... Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And that's what I'm doing with all my heart. I'm seeking Him. I'm seeking Him. Because I want to experience what He said here. He said, The world will know that the Father sent me when they see the life that I have promised the resurrected life when it's seen through the church. That's how it's going to be revealed. It's either this is true or it's not true. If it's not true, let's just stop this business. I have no time to waste. But I know it's true. I know it. Because there's a witness in my spirit and a witness in your spirit that we are children of God. There's a witness in our spirit. Because we know it. We don't, you, can't, you can't explain how you know it. You just know it. You just know it. And God will do things in your life along the way. 
Because sometimes you get weak in faith. You get weak trusting. You get weak. But He will do it just to show you that He's still there and He loves you. No matter, no matter how, 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 how hard the situation is. No matter how tough it is, the things that you're going through. He will always comfort you. And He will always provide. Why? Because that's His promise to us. He's taking us from faith to faith. From glory to glory. Okay. So Jesus was committed to the Father's plan. Going to Bethany was not a risk for Jesus. was no risk. There was no risk in going to Bethany. He didn't have to do a risk analysis. He didn't need bodyguards. He needed none of that. He knew when he went to go to Bethany, he'd be fine. He's not worried about it. He's not worried about the Jews. He's not worried about those who try to kill him. Listen, the message I, I, I preach about the, about the shepherd and the sheep. Right? The shepherd goes before the sheep and prepares the way. Do you think that the predators could come in and abuse the sheep or, or, or kill the sheep? No. Why? The shepherd is already taking care of the sheep. He's already providing. He's already protecting the sheep. So they can watch from outside, try to get at the sheep, but they can't get at the sheep. They just have to watch while the sheep lay down in green pastures, eating to overflowing, and the predators just have to watch. Why? Because the good shepherd, the father, the father has garrisoned himself around the son. There is nothing that anyone could do to the son. Nothing. Nothing. And the son knows it. He knows it. Because the father gave him the power to lay down his life. When I'm ready, he says, Father says, Son, when you this is what you have to do. You know when it's time. You know when it's time. And that's why last week I talked about Judas. Jesus, oh my God, Jesus sent Judas to betray him. To fulfill, to set the wheels of motion for his death. He sent Judas. He, he, he released him to go and betray. Because this was, he said, it's time now for me to lay down my life. So he set the wheels of motion for his death. Oh my God. Commitment to the Father's plan. Alright. I don't want to go over there with that. But let's keep going. He knew his purpose. He submitted to the Father and courageously did the Father's will as he was led. Because, because of that he was at peace. There, you know, listen, there is a joy and a peace that overwhelms your soul knowing that you, right? That the one you are committed to in a relationship is also wholeheartedly committed to you. Let me repeat that. There is a joy and a peace that overwhelms you knowing that the one you are committed to in a relationship is also wholeheartedly committed to you. There is a joy and a peace. Why? Because you know that person has your back. You know what that person promised they will do. You don't have to worry. Okay? There's a love and trust which cannot be broken by outside forces or influences. Did you hear what I just said? Because of the commitment of the son to the father and the father to the son. No outside influence can affect that relationship. No outside forces can affect that relationship. And if we are committed to the Father, as we are 
to the Father through the Son, as the Father is committed to the Son, and committed to us through the Son, no enemy can come in and rob your house and steal from you. Why? Because you are committed to Him, He's committed to you. And there is nothing for the... Oh my God. Remember when Jesus said, I said last week, Jesus said that the prince of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Why did the prince of this world have nothing in him? Because Jesus walked in the will of the Father. So there's nothing for the enemy to accuse him of because what he did and said is right. Because it's not him. It's the Father through him that's doing the work. So whatever he said and did, it's not him. It's the Father. So what is the enemy going to accuse him of? There is nothing for the enemy to accuse him of. And the same way we are committed to the Father and the Father is committed to us through the Son. There is nothing, that's what I talk about the hedge of protection. That's how you keep a hedge around you. When you are committed to the will of the Father. Okay. Alright, so this is where we have to get to in Christ as children of God. Okay, this is where we have to get to, get to as children of God. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, I'm going to read the scripture. You don't have to turn there. It said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What is it saying here? Let this mind be in you. That Christ humbled himself. He came, number one, he humbled himself when he left eternity and came in the form of his creation. That's humility. He humbled himself. Then he further humbled himself and became and to do the will of someone else, which is the Father. So he submitted to the Father. He's not here to do his will, he's doing the Father's will. Even to his death, he laid down his life. Why? Because that's what the Father required. Same thing, he said, let that mind be in us. The mind of Christ, to do the will of the Father. Let that same mind be in us. To walk by faith. To do the Father's will. On this earth. To fulfill our purpose. Let this mind be in us. No matter what it looks like. No matter what people says. Okay. That's not easy to do. It's easy to say. It's not easy to do. Because there are people who are going to come against us. Speak against us. Because we are not acting in the way they expect us to act. But if you listen to what the, the Holy Spirit is telling you. You're doing what the Spirit is telling you to do. And make sure it's the Holy Spirit. You will be walking in the Father's will. Okay? And that's the mind that we need to have. The mind of Christ. Okay? So understand. The commitment of the Son. The commitment of the Son is to do the Father's will. So he understood. Yes, he loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. And they loved him. But if you read further, as I said... Martha was, she was like, Lord, Mary was, Lord, if you were here, he would have lived. And you know what happened afterwards. 
Jesus calls, called Lazarus out, out of the tomb. Okay? The father validating the son. The, son doing, the, the father doing something through the son that was never done before. He called a man who was dead four days, called, when he started to stink, called him out of the tomb. Okay? So it's showing you, it doesn't matter what the situation is. Very important that you listen for what the Holy Spirit wants done in the situation. The hardest thing is when you're going through a crisis is to be still to hear the voice of God. It's difficult. But you have to train yourself. Because when you're, when you're reactive, that's when you can walk in, the dark, in darkness and stumble. But when you listen for what the Holy Spirit wants you to do... And you do it, you, then you're walking in the light, in God's will concerning the circumstance. And that's what Jesus did here. He wasn't concerned about what people said about him. All he was concerned is doing what the Father required him to do. Because the Father is responsible for bringing to pass what the Father required him to do. Because when Jesus prayed at the tomb, he said, Father, he prayed loudly, well loudly, he prayed so that people could hear him. He said, I pray so that they can hear me. So that they know that you always hear me. Many times Jesus prayed, is not, you don't hear. It's, it's spirit to spirit. Just like the woman, Hannah, when Hannah was praying, pouring out her heart to God. Eli, um, the prophet <clears throat> saw her mouth moving, but he didn't hear but she was pouring out her heart to God, crying. But God heard her prayer. So many of times your prayer doesn't have to be audible. But it's your heart. It's the heart. It's your heart when you're calling out to God. Because God is a spirit. God is a spirit. <clears throat> so understand the, committed, the commitment of the Son. To do the Father's will in spite of everything that's going on around him. Because he's concerned about doing the Father's will and not the will of the people around him. Okay? So that is all I have.